Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Scott of Denver Seminary. What are the challenges we face in today's church and culture in a postmodern, post-Christian era? Dr. Haley believes that in addressing those issues, the church must adopt a missional mindset. Christianity does hold the answers to the big questions of today's culture. Let's join Dr. Haley for today's edition of Christian Curious. Thanks for joining us. This is the first broadcast of Christian Curious, and I'm here with Dr. Haley Scott, and Dr. Scott is going to be embarking on this journey. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about what she's going to do, because this program will be one you'll be able to count on and hear. It won't just be you and I doing these occasional interviews, which has been great, but now people can count on a time and the mission and purpose of what you're doing. Correct. So they're going to learn a lot, and it's going to be a lot more productive, I think, for them than just you and I talking. And we've covered some wonderful ground and some really important topics, but this will be consistent. Correct. What are you going to do? Well, from the beginning, um, as as the director of the Kaleo Project at Denver Seminary, Kaleo means to call, um, I have been committed to democratizing the information that we're learning about ministry to, to young adults. And so through Christian Curious, I hope to um, provide and explore an understanding of what it means to do ministry in a post-Christian, post-modern world. So that's going to be the main purpose and mission is to explore what it means to do ministry. Because we've seen some big challenges facing uh, pastors today. We've seen how they struggle to um, to adapt to running an organization, They how they struggle to, um, to pastor in settings as well as running an organization. Churches are struggling to adapt from a ministry to a missional mindset. And what I mean by that is for decades before, we have always had people come to us. And now, because of the increasingly secular society, we need to have people going to the culture itself and figuring out what that means. And we've also seen churches struggling to what uh, Pastor, uh, Dr. Mark Young says uh, are the three temptations of churches in exile. The first is the temptation to withdraw from society. So we see young adult groups that struggle to uh, engage other young people that may, may be new to the group. And so they kind of cloister together, and they're only comfortable in their own group. They've also had the other temptation of too, maybe too much adaptation. Yeah. So yeah. what does it look like to do theology in a pub or do theology in a brewery? And is that too much adaptation, or is that appropriate for today's climate? And then there's also the final challenge, which is the, um, the temptation to despair, to say a lot of pastors have said, I don't see how this is going to work. People don't want Jesus. People don't need Jesus. And so they end up with a the seven one of the seven deadly sins of sloth, apathy, kind of like a giving up of the hands of saying, I don't know what to do, so I won't do anything. And so we've seen those challenges. And what we hope to do through Christian Curious is to um, equip and help the church understand what it means to do ministry in a post-Christian context. Now, the Kaleo Project was really built around why aren't young people attracted to and going to the church, right? Right. It was so. uh, 23 to 29-year-old people are okay. the most unchurched generation in American recorded history. And so the Kaleo Project was designed to help churches figure out how to minister to that generation. 
And in order to do that, they needed to have money to innovate. And innovation is expensive because, you know, if churches' budgets are tight, they tend to stick with what has worked in the past. And in today's culture, as fast as our culture is changing, we have to adapt as well. And that demands innovation, and innovation demands money, and that's what the Kaleo Project has been about. Now, to give people examples, you and I have talked about, for example, a backpacking ministry, which is something that a lot of churches wouldn't have done in the past, but I've seen it at our church because we happen to be one of the ones doing that, where backpacking ministry, you get some people that probably wouldn't come to a church event. They might come on Sunday mornings and they might not, they might be kind of be on the fridges, fridges, but to do the backpacking trip, they're all in. Right. Absolutely. Backpacking trip. I mean, young people move to the Denver Metro because they want the outdoors primarily. Right. And so they work, they're working multiple jobs, you know, and to have them come to church whenever they're working multiple jobs to live in a city so they can go outdoors is difficult. And so churches can adapt by meeting them where that, that need is and providing outdoor opportunities. That's just one way to reach young adults today. Yeah, that's good. And, and, and really, this program will allow you to unpack what you're learning because you're uh, how far in? So, so We far. are a year and a half. We're halfway through. Okay. So a year and a half of a three-year project. And this program is really designed. It's a partnership between the station and yourself and Denver Seminary to, to really unpack some of that information because right. you've said things like, all right, you know, if you just learn the name of somebody who's new to your church, they're a lot more likely to keep coming back. That seems simple, but you know, we don't do that very well in the church. Yeah, that's one of the very first things that I discovered is, you know, if if I could summarize the data from the very first year, consolidate to three words, it would be, know my name. That's the way to win people. Know their name. And I think that you have mentioned in one of our interviews, you've you've done that in your church and it it has had some results. Oh, it's it's um, with uh, CU students. We did the 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 experiment, I guess, if you will. But it it came pretty natural. It's just you know what we've been talking about this on the radio. We might want to do this. Mm-hmm. So we started greeting, learning the names of some of the college students. It was pretty obvious. You know, you could say she's sitting alone. She looks probably about in that right age group. I bet you that's a CU student that said, "I'm going to church." She made an intentional choice to drive what is about seven or eight miles. So it's not, you know, it's not just right next door to campus. And uh, she lit up, loved it. And we were able to introduce then this this gal to some other people at the church so that they could continue things because we usually go to a different campus. And so, you know, just, just starting that, getting other people there at your church to do that, you don't have to be the associate pastor to do that. You don't have to be in leadership there. You could just say, all right, I'm going to take this section, you take that section, let's start doing this. Absolutely. Every person in the church is the church. And it's not just the responsibility of the pastors. Because, you know, Ephesians 4 is clear that he he has gifted the church, the people, with gifts from on high. And everyone has a particular spiritual gift, and everyone has the responsibility to welcome people to the church. I think that's actually been one of the... the Another aspect that we have found to be important, you know, um, my husband has told me about this book called The Celtic Way of Evangelism, where the Roman way was you were welcomed into the community if you accepted Jesus. The Celtic way of community was we will welcome you whether or not you accept Jesus or not. And 
And they argue in that book to actually, this is a better way. The Celtic way of evangelism is a better method in today's climate because we need to welcome people because people don't feel known as much as social media we have as connected as we are through our devices we don't really feel known we put our particular image out on social media and then but nobody really knows who we are and can we trust someone to love us you know as we are throughout the without the filters of social media and instagram well you talked in a past program about ministry through hospitality yes. and just this growing, at least I think, growing trend, especially for young people, to just have a bunch of folks from your apartment building over to your house for, or to your apartment for right. a meal or friends from work or, you know, whatever. Neighbors, just figure out a way to get some people in your house and it doesn't have to be, we're having a Bible study, right? Right. It can be, we're going to meet, we're going to eat, um, we'll chat a little bit and just get to know each other. That's a That's great ministry title, Meet and Eat. Yeah, Meet and Eat. All right, there you go, Kaleo. <laughs> meet and Eat. That's one meet of your new eat. initiatives. Exactly. So, so Christian Curious will be about that. It'll be a chance right. for you to unpack that. And as I kind of bow out of this and you take the reins, we're going to learn so much. Right. I will be pulling in people, pastors, people doing ministry actually out in the field and you know, pract- asking them practical questions about the challenges that they face and the victories that they've had because we hear the we hear all of the challenges you know coming through you know the qualitative and quantitative data from Pew and Barna and what but what are the victories i mean the truth is is that culture is changing rapidly i mean we're talking about one thing that is um incredible is that we're talking about transhumanism we are having conversations about what does it mean for a human to become a robot? We used to worry about the robots taking over the world. Now we as a church need to think about humans becoming robots. And what does that mean? And so these are actually how rapidly, you know, culture is changing. Just, you know, five years ago, that might have been unthinkable. But this is actually conversations in the scientific community. So how do we answer that theologically? And, you know, despite that change, we need to know that there are two things that have not changed. And the first thing that has not changed is Jesus Christ. He has not changed. What he said has not changed. Who he was, what his mission is, the fact that he's coming back. None of that has changed. And the gift of the Holy Spirit that he has left with us to empower us to do ministry, is that's not changed. He's not left us. And That's one of the most important things to know, because if you just read all of the data, you can be pretty discouraged in ministry. And so it's it'll be important to hear some of those stories of victories from from people on the ground. And then the second thing that hasn't changed is, you know, people's desire for Jesus and or people's need for Jesus. And that's one of the convictions that. Um, I've been heavily convicted of because when I started the Kaleo project, I kind of thought, oh, millennials don't need Jesus. They rejected Jesus. They know who he is. They've walked away because such a large portion of them have been previously churched and they experience what's called church hurt. And, but they're, you know, as I have watched and researched and dove deep into culture, I see the, the need for Jesus see the growing need for Jesus among, among young people particularly. 
Well, as we kind of bridge into then our topic for today, one of the things that, that you mentioned was contemporary society has changed so much. And I think especially for our listeners that, that might be a little bit older, you know, 40s, 50s and, and above, they're, they're just, their head is spinning. Right. You know, how in the world do we help someone who's younger relate to the church? So what are a couple things about ministry to contemporary society, millennials, uh, Generation Z, you know, that age group? And, and we, you know, things we can learn probably for older age groups too, right? Mm-hmm. What are some things we need to know about that? Because how do we, how do we figure that out? Well, the first thing that uh, the older generations need to know is that millennials and Generation Z, Generation Z is about 18 right now, according to most sociologists. And um, what they want, they do want to hear from um, older generations. They want to hear, how do I manage my life? How do I manage my relationships? What do I do with grief, trauma, and loss? Uh, just the other day, my daughter, who's Generation Z, she said, um, you know, n- nothing bad is ever going to happen to me because God loves me. And I'm like, hold up. Let's think about that. What? Okay, let's unpack. Where did you hear that? And, you know, what is exactly does that mean? And trying to direct her to learn the love of God, but also understand that she's going to meet some challenges. And so the first thing that older generations need to know is that we, you know, younger people want to hear from that generation because you're the ones with the wisdom and we are starting to relearn that. I mean, we've known that in millennia past, I mean, the wisdom of the elders, but um, we're actually really seeing the need for that among the younger generations today. So older generations don't need to be... um, discouraged about that because the wisdom that they share is so needed today and the wisdom that they share um, doesn't change with with technology or the times I mean it's timeless wisdom that that you can provide well I think too we can remind our listeners that a television show or what culture tells you or media tells you is a young person's view towards someone who's older what they tell you and what it really is is probably very different Probably, uh, right. You see TV shows, and it's the bumbling older dad or whatever. Exactly. You don't see, hey, come here, I'm going to give you some wisdom, you know? Right. I mean, if you look at the television shows, I've watched, I before this job, I did not watch much television. I have watched more television for this job than- Tell them why. So tell them why. There's a reason. There is a why. Yeah, I'm not being lazy. I'm doing it to understand what kind of shows did millennials and Gen Z grow up with, analyzing that. And if you look at those shows, a lot of them had absentee parents. And that was true for Generation X. Like my generation, I'm a, what is it, a young Generation X, like at a very tail end. And um, my brothers are millennial. So um, I'm a Gen X, and, you know, I I was the latchkey kid. But millennials, they're the people they rely on most are their parents and the people they trust the most are their parents. And so the difference between what you see on television and what's actually reality is pretty vast. Well, think of their motives, too. They they want interesting storylines. They want things Mm -hmm. that have nothing to do, honestly, with real life for the most part. So, well, you see on TV that it's the it's the millennials and the Gen Zs that have the answers to all the questions and they're trying to manage their bumbling parents. Exactly. Exactly. And it's really heartening to know that your research is showing, no, my kids do want to know what their parents have to say, not to be lectured necessarily, but to just have some of that wisdom and 
hey, yeah, this uh, this road is a Christian. This is not easy, but but here's where God shows up consistently Absolutely. and how it looks. Right. And, you know, just seeing the longevity, you know, we've seen more people wanting to hear um, the end of life stories. Like, what would you what would you wish you, you would have known when you were 30? And questions like that, we we really want answers to. And I myself, whenever I have a really big question, the person I go to the most is my 86 year old grandmother, yeah. the great from the greatest generation. She's probably one of the most stable, solid individuals that that I can think of. And when I want some wisdom, that's where I go. Give us one more nugget. So there's that. What's one more that you think people, especially if you feel like people would say, "Wow, it's a surprise." Um, really, it's just the community and hospitality aspect and how important that is, not just at um, church, but also at um, at your home. So okay. at your church, you know, th- think of practical matters like, is there appropriate signage to get in the door? A lot of churches here today um, have, because of security issues, because of Columbine and other uh, mass shootings in the area, they lock their doors. And so it's not like it used to be where you could walk into a church and, you know, sit down in the pews or find the pastor in his office. You actually might have to um, call somebody. And so just having the signage of, you know, hey, we our offices are closed right now, but if you need help in any way, please call this number. We, we're concerned about you and your needs, so we want to hear from you. Expressing that through just signs. And letting people know how to get inside the door. I mean, the liaisons that work, you know, with the churches directly have talked about um, how important it is to know how to get in a building. Yeah. You know, so practical. Right. It's how do I I get in? I saw a church where it says entrance and about an eight foot wide sign at this church. And so they hear you because they made it extremely easy to realize, oh, I go through that door. Okay. I can handle that. Right. Yeah. It's something you wouldn't have, I would not have thought of before. When I went to each Kaleo church at the beginning of this project, each church that we accepted into the grant and toured the grounds and the facilities, just signs like, how do I get in this building? Well, you've got locked doors, right? I've mm-hmm. done it. I've, go, I've gone to visit a pastor that's on a radio station and guess what? The door's locked. I have no idea how to get in there. <laughs> Pastor, this is a fortress. How do I get in? Well, think of it somebody who doesn't have the number to call him. Right. They're sunk and they're just going to walk away. Which yeah. It's really sad. It is, you know, and church, the physical incarnational presence of a church building in a neighborhood is so important. And to think about how welcoming is that place for people to come to. I think another related uh, issue is you talked about church struggles. And I think some of the churches that, that you've worked with, you're starting to realize these struggles we brought on ourselves. And that's not to criticize any individual church, but so if they don't know how to get in, mm-hmm. it's not welcoming and the entrance is not clear. And um, you're not really sure who, you know, once you walk in the church, where are you supposed to go? Right. What are you supposed to do? Right. Who's taking care of coffee if you want a cup of coffee first? Right. And, you know, as also websites, you know, to welcoming to a, a different group or a different event. Are you sure. are you putting the word out there? You know, some of my liaisons have reported, you know, trying to get to a church event and not 
knowing how to do it. They have heard it through word of mouth, but it's not on the website. Right. The pl- the address is it's kind of secret. A, is secret. So secret. You know, how can you communicate better? I mean, it's such a simple thing, but it's it's so important to be able to have that welcoming aspect to where it's easier for people to come to you. With Christian Curious, I think it'll be so helpful for people to hear. Here's the ideas. That's what fascinates me. One pastor told me here a couple of weeks ago, well, the coffee people have a black shirt with big, bright pink lettering that says coffee. <laughs> and the greeters have a big, you know, have big lettering that says greeter or greet on it. So that's how we do it. We just make it super clear. So people walking in don't have to look around for who are the greeters? Who do I ask a question from? The information person has info. Go figure, right? Right. Because if you think about it, the people who are unchurched, who are walking in the door for the first time, it is so hard. It's Greek, right? awkward, Awkward. I mean, it is, it's really hard to do that. And then to have the challenges of maybe not being welcomed or noticed or anything like that is, is, is pretty, it's a pretty big mountain to, to, to climb. Well, those, those are the things that you're going to give us ideas. You're going to have Mm -hmm. real life. Here's what's working. Maybe some of the, here's what's not working. That's, that's both valuable. Um, you mentioned one thing people need to know about their church. I'm fascinated by that. I, I'm, I have no idea what you're going to say. So what, what is that? Have we already covered that? Or is that a new topic that you're going to say? Boom. Well, there's one thing that you need. There's actually a few things that churches need to know. And, you know, that is, first of all, the hard realities of being a pastor today. I think that so many pastors go into ministry and they think they have an idea of what ministry is going to be like. And then they get there and they're pushed down by administration, by list of things to do by um, challenges of having events that maybe not worked out and having to overcome that sense of defeatism that might that they might not have ex- expected in their training if they did have training. And so how can churches and people in the church support the pastors with the hard realities to say, you know what, this is tough. Ministry today is tough. It's not easy, but we're here to support you. We believe in you. We know that Jesus is Lord we know that people need Jesus still, and how can we help you? How can we help support the pastors? That's one thing that churches really need to know. So is it volunteer structure is maybe a part of that where people recognize mm-hmm. my pastor can't do everything? Right. So they willingly go to him or her and say, look, you know, X, can I do X? Can I take on Y? Can I right. help you with, with um, hospital visits? We had somebody in our church say, can I help with hospital visits? That's yeah. That person has the compassion and seems like they'd be a great fit. So absolutely, I don't know. yeah. And just you know, I I've joked in the past that we are a spiritually obese nation. So a lot of people will go to church and they get fed and they go to Bible studies and they learn, but they never actually are equipped and sent to be able to conduct ministry of their own. You know, they think that that's the pastor's job, but it's not. I mean, every person has been gifted by God to do ministry, to be Christ for other people. And so empowering and equipping people, especially young adults, they want a job. They want something to do. And, you know, even something as simple as if you're having a meal at your house, don't have it already. Let them come in and say, hey, can you get out the silverware? Can you lay out the plates? Can you get the drinks and the cups? And they love to take part of 
being part of something. And that gives them meaning in their life, which is what they're most looking for. See, that's one of those golden nuggets that you've brought to us. I would be the guy that would just do everything, have it all ready, want them to walk in and not have to do it. And, uh, and so that was a real epiphany for me to say, okay, have these, you know, my guests want to be able to do something, and especially if they're younger, because you've said we well documented, a lot of people understand this, that they want to do things. They don't want to just sit there and say, oh, it was a great sermon. Great. See you. Right. See you in a week. Yeah, they want an active presence. I mean, you see, you know, secular uh, millennials, you see secular young adults, Generation Z, um, wanting to to change the world. They want to do something. And yet, you know, with all the news that they have, all the news that we're able to access, it can feel pretty overwhelming. Um, You know, people have said it's hard to get out of bed in the morning because everything's the problems of the world seem so overwhelming. And... To give them a sense of, okay, here I'm doing something important. I have a part to play. My life has meaning. My life has purpose. That gives them an anchor in the world that, that, that they don't currently have. And Why? so, and so that's, that's really what we want to focus on with Christian Curious is, is equipping churches to be able to, to be that incarnational presence in their communities, to give them a, to give them a sense of hope that there is a need for Jesus still, despite all of the news that you hear and all of the studies that you read about the unchurched and the atheists, people need Jesus and he has not changed. Well, I think our listeners are going to gain so much from this. That's why we're doing this partnership is just to learn right. what are the things that painfully we're not doing well as a church with, but how can we be better? And the, the ideas are amazing. And it's just hard. I mean, for so many churches, for so many of us in the church, it's hard to say, gosh, how do I be more effective as a witness? Right. How do I get out there and get involved? Oh, wait a minute. I can take someone out and um, have a cup of coffee with them or even a beer if that's what they're more comfortable with. Right. And we can talk about life and, and maybe also have a chance to talk about the Lord too, kind of work towards that. Yeah, absolutely. That's different thinking mm-hmm. for a lot of people. Well, you know, and it's important to know that, you know, it is okay to be uncomfortable. You know, as rapid as things change, it takes a long time to change. It takes a long time to change a habit. And so it's okay if you're a little uncomfortable, but the important thing is to know that you have the ability to reach out to the unchurched generation. Well, we're going to learn a lot. Thank you for making the time to do this. And uh, I'm going to enjoy, like the listeners, getting to hear Christian Curious and the different topics and guests that you lay out. Well, so. thank you so much, Mike, for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley. You can contact her with your comments or questions about today's show at our email, Haley, H-A-L-E-E, Haley.Scott at denverseminary.edu. You may also learn more by visiting the Christian Curious website, christiancurious.org. Join Dr. Haley again next week for Christian Curious on AM 670 KLTT.